0: Here's Pastor Scott. In Isaiah 6:1, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, We Need to See God. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the revelation that you've given to us, that you are here, God. I ask you to be a very present help right now. Strengthen my mind and my body. Anoint my mouth to say what you'd have me to say, God. I pray you'd give each of us ears to hear what the Spirit says to us today. Lord, I pray for each person. We've come from different homes and different sides of town, God. I pray now that you would unite us as one in our desire to honor you in this time. By the reading and the hearing of your word, I ask you to be our teacher now by your spirit from your word in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We need to see God. Now, if we were there and we're still not there, but I've been telling you for years because my pattern is always the same. I'm always going to read the scripture, uh, announce the, the title of the sermon, and then pray for God's anointing. But I believe one day, I hope I live long enough to see it. If I don't, y'all tell me about it if and when you get to heaven. One day, though, it would be so awesome if a simple verse of Scripture was read, a simple title of a sermon was given, and people just broke out already into repentance, giving all their money on, on the altar, weeping, crying, people getting saved. There's a time in American history that stuff like that happened. There's a time in all over the world, but it's been a long time since it happened anywhere. If you study the history of the church, you'll find the history of the church, the Christian church, is a supernatural history. It's filled with miraculous things going on. It's filled with God doing the supernatural. You can read stories about the turn of the 18. Hundreds in England and, and the mighty things that God was doing there. You can even read stories about the turn in the 1900s here when people were shutting down bars and flocking to churches. There were, there, were, there were stories of men and women of God who the anointing was so strong on their life that people would fall down in repentance just by walking past them. But it seems like today the church doesn't have enough power to blow its nose. It seems like today that we've let the world flip everything on its head. And you can look at the world events and know that there's trouble all around. But it's even worse because you don't have to look at the world events. You can see how the world has crept into the church. God put man on this planet and the first instructions he gave them were to be fruitful to have dominion and to multiply. And we're doing very little of any of that. We're not dominating the way God put us here. You see, the church is supposed to be here impacting, affecting, and infecting the world. But in the years that I've been pastoring, I've seen the world come into the church and impact, infect, and affect the church. And I want you to get in your mind that at some point in your life, You're going to be ready to put your foot down, draw a line in the sand, and say, this is where it all changes for me. Mm. That's enough preaching right there for me to be done. But y'all want to sit in church for a long time, so I'll keep going. See, right now, I could just go ahead and, and, and call uh, Jeff back up here, and I could just say, all real Christians, let's just repent before a holy God. Let's just get our hearts and minds right. Let's love God and love each other. And we could just go into a time of altar ministry, but some of y'all came to be preached to. So, let's do this. I am Desperate for fresh anointing. I am desperate for uh, new, not even visitation. We don't need a visitation from the Lord. We need a habitation of God. There there are times in your life as a believer when you should be able to say, man, I just had the anointing of God. I felt God all over me. My prayer life was flowing. uh, But there's sad. that's the great news. But the sad news is there's also going to be times in your life where you feel like you're banging your head into a brick wall and that the heavens are sealed up shut over you and your prayers are bouncing off your ceilings and falling back down on you. This is the reality that we go through, and the the reason why is manifold, the reason why is various, but it happens. It happens mainly because we have the treasure of God's Spirit, the Bible says, in these earthen vessels of flesh, and we get in our Heavenly Father's way of doing what He wants us to do. So I want you to buckle up this morning, and I want you to get ready to let God stab you in the heart. The Bible says that the word is a two-edged sword, and it slices right through to the heart of the matter. And I believe God wants to slice through to somebody today because enough is enough. We've already had too much. The world is full of junk. The church has adopted worldly means and become full of junk. And it's time for one, two, three, four, five, six, as many as will rise up and say, "For the Lord I'll live, and for the Lord I'll die." But I'm ready to get on with it. So let's look at what happened because we have these stories for what? This is what the Bible says. We have these stories for our examples. These these stories that are recorded for us in this holy book are designed to help us learn about God, how God reacts, responds, how how God deals with people and how people deal with God. And if you want what others have, you got to do what They did to get it, and I'll break to the punchline real quick. I want what Isaiah had. I want what Isaiah had, and and it's not because I desire uh, to to be anybody. I'm not wanting what he had as far as notoriety. I just want to be closer to God. I don't even know if you can make that admission. I don't know many pastors that even make that admission. That ought to be your daily confession. I want to be closer. You you ought to want, like the old hymn writer said, uh, you you ought to want to have that type of mindset where you can truly say, without faking it, that he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I'm his own. You ought to have that heartbeat of, of the, the the songwriter who, who cried out, uh, to, to, for God to be near to him. I hope there's somebody today that realizes we are not where we need to be. I don't even know if I could get you on that on a truth, on a truth uh, lie detector. If I doped all y'all up with sodium pentothal right now, just injected y'all with about 400 cc's of truth serum, and, and I just walked, from, start with Alex and went all the way back to Nixa. And, and I said, okay, do, do you know that you are not exactly all the way where you need to be with God? Some of y'all will be like, oh, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. I'm going to spit on the next person that says that. I'll pretend I'm sneezing. You'll never see it coming. If you really feel that way, then that's okay. But why do we fake so much and live so little? What 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 happened to the church of of pure-hearted godly Christians who who wept on altars over their sin, self and situation and traded that in for I declare and I decree this be a great year for me. What what happened to a real group of people dealing with a real God who decided to turn that in for all this church speak and and you people just busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted, hurting on every level. But if somebody dare ask them in, in a church building or in a church setting, uh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm the head, not the tail, always above and never beneath. I'm so blessed I hardly can't stand it. I just feel like I'm going sprout wings and fly. And you know that's not true. You ought to just tell the truth. See, here's the thing. This is why I love old people. Not all old people. I've, I've given up lying for Lent. As a Catholic joke, y'all don't get it, but y'all—I I was born a Catholic, so y'all don't understand. <laughs> oh, I messed that myself up with that. What was I saying? Oh, I do love old people. Not all of them. So I did give up lying, but. I told y'all, everybody will lie. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't even believe everything you hear from your favorite preacher or pastor because there's plenty of liars in pulpits. There's plenty of liars lies being told by well-meaning people that just have bad doctrine. But, man, one thing I love about old people, some of them, uh, they will just tell you the flat-out truth. Man, when I, when I was first coming up in ministry, I, I used to spend a lot of time in, in nursing homes. Uh, before I started this church, I was 20 plus years into ministry, and I was, I was preaching every week, spending time every week, uh, five hours a week at Heartland Healthcare on Normandy Boulevard. And man, I learned so much in those years just sitting and talking to old people, because some old people will just flat out tell you the truth. You don't believe me? Go to an assisted living facility. You can't call it old folks' home anymore. Uh, You know, everything's so politically correct. You you can't even tell the white people in the room they're white anymore. Uh, But, you you know what? Yeah, because they heard black people complaining about it for so long, they decided they are going to chime in too. So they just decided we'll get on it with them. But, but man, uh, you go to an old folks' home, and you ask one of those people laying there, well, how are you doing, Miss Betty? Well, you just opened it all up. Now you better sit down and, and try to stay awake because Miss Betty's about to unload. Well, baby, Miss Betty ain't doing too good. My, my bunions is hurting. How does she know her bunions are hurting? She ain't been out of that bed in five years. My, 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 my sciatical is, 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 is acting up your sciatical miss betty just start to naming off everything from head to toe but why can't we be that on how you doing today oh pastor it's just great 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 all that great praise the lord get a message together and preach on all that great to us next sunday but we we need to get honest because anybody will tell you saved unsaved good counselor, bad counselor, anybody will tell you that the first step in solving a problem is to what? you got to identify it. you got to acknowledge it. you got to take ownership of it. We ought to, When somebody asks you how you're doing, you just ought to tell them, well, I'm tired of being a drunk. I just can't seem to put the liquor down. If that's where you're at, why not just say that? Oh, oh, I'm speaking life. uh hush, loose-haired devil. I rebuke that. And gee, do all that mind game, manipulative talking you want to do. But if you can't let that bottle go, you're just still a drunk. I'm not mad at you. Uh, I, I, I still overeat. Don't don't mess around and put a bunch of donuts in front of me. You'll, you'll find them missing. you would be putting out a search warrant. Don't let a hot now sign be on and and, and red cap milk be at the Krispy Kreme. Put that down in front of me and think you're going to get your share, go to the bathroom. Yours be gone. (laughs) Drinking, smoking, cussing, hoarding around, fornicating, pornography, lying, cheating, stealing. Ain't none of that any worse than overeating or lack of prayer. But we all want to act like we're all so together. Listen, it's time to be more honest. Could you imagine scheduling an appointment with your doctor? Call your doctor up. Yeah, I need to come see the doctor. Uh, what do you need to see the doctor about? Oh, I'm great. I'm, I'm wonderful. I just need, just need to come see the doctor. They would think you're insane. You get to the doctor, uh, well, Stacy, what are you here for today? Oh, I, nothing wrong with me, doctor. I'm just perfect and fine. God is my help. God is my healer. Jesus is my everything. All oh, to Jesus. You're just surrendering in your mouth uh, and not surrendering nothing. In, in Your doctor, listen, I know this much about doctors. They'll still charge you. And they'll still write you a prescription. You probably need a prescription right then. Xanax, uh, Zola. You need something. You, uh, if you're that bent off. But nobody goes. Could you imagine going to the emergency room? Now, you know you're sick if you go to downtown Baptist Hospital emergency room. I've been there. I had to go in there for an emergency neck surgery. They told me I had to come in because. Uh, my my neck was about to break and snap my spine in half, and it was life-threatening, and they admitted me for a neck surgery through the ER. You're in bad shape if you go to Baptist downtown at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, you know, because that's, that's when uh, the freaks come out. <laughs> you want to see a show? You want you, you those people? Uh, some, some of y'all say, I, I like to watch people. Hey, two best places. You really want to watch it? walmart on brandon (laughs) field don't waste no time nowhere else you don't have to go to the north side you don't have to be over here you hey you can see everything you want to see at the walmart on brandon and a whole lot of stuff you don't want to see sit down at the subway man pull up a chair and just watch the show you want to take it deeper Go to Baptist Hospital 3 o'clock in the morning any day of the week, and, and you will find out. But if you went to an emergency room, and the doctor walks in, well, the, you know, you're not going to see the doctor because you wait in the big room, then they take you back into the other area, and then they take you back into the other area, and then you sit there, you know, uh, just waiting forever. When they finally come in, and the doctor says, well, how are you feeling today, Joe? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, Doc. I'm just, I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm always above, never beneath. That, well, why are we honest with people we don't even know? You walk in there and he, and, and you just tell him, my knees hurting, my back's hurting, I, 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 something's going on, and you get very specific about what your issue is uh, with a total stranger who doesn't care about you at all, knows nothing about you, but you come to a place on Sunday with people that you claim to have something in common with and claim to love and lie to each other. Mm, I'm preaching better than y'all staring at me. But listen, title of the message, we need to see God. Anybody believe that? Okay, so some things have to happen Before that takes place in our life, that's why we study. One of the reasons why we study this book because these stories give us examples. We can see how to get what others have, and if you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. Let's see what happened in Isaiah's life in chapter six, verse one. Let's see that scripture again. In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, speaking, saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Now here. Isaiah had seen one man sitting on the throne for for his whole life. Uh, Uzziah had been the longest reigning king up until this point. Of of all the kings of the northern and southern tribes, Uzziah ruled for 52 years. No one had ruled longer than him. Only Manasseh ended up ruling a couple more years, 55 years. But there were kings that were kings for a day. There were kings that were kings for seven days and ten days, a month, three months. There were kings that were kings for eight months. There were kings that were kings for two years. Most of them swung in that two-year range. Uh, uh, Well, a lot of them did. But this man, Uzziah, had been king for 52 years. Some of y'all don't know how long that is. I was three. And I can tell you, that's a long time. I wish I could eradicate lies, man. If it was legal just to shoot people every time somebody lied to me, bang, bang. I, I mean, I'd wing them. You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm not gonna. You know, send them straight to hell. I'm going to give them time to repent. But it it, it it's just crazy. The, the the you can't hardly get the the truth out of people. But God is trying to get you to see something today. I don't even know why I said that about those liars. I might just have to get off that. Why, 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 what was I talking about? Y'all don't know. Let's get into the story. It's so a long time. I am tired. Some of y'all know my habit. Let, let, me, let, me, just, let, me, let me give you a clue when I, when I say I'm tired. Okay, I was up. At 6 o'clock this morning, anybody if you know me well, you know why. Anybody know why I was up at 6 o'clock? Because I ain't been to bed yet. I ain't been to bed since Friday. So keep, keep me on track. Keep telling me where we need to be. I, when I say I was up at 6, I was up at 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. It's 11, 20 right now. I'm, I'm, you know, if I fall asleep, call it the Holy Ghost and say we saw the Lord. You've been lying your whole life anyway. It ain't going to bother you. People stop saying that fifty is the new forty. Okay, let me tell you this: fifty is still fifty. I was talking to my mom yesterday. She she had her birthday this uh, this month is her birth month, and mom used to have unbirthdays. Uh, listen, stop having unbirthdays. Stop thinking once you get to twenty nine, you start reversing. Uh, you, is that what you want? You, you, you want to be two feet tall and peeing on yourself? That's where you're going? I mean, you want diaper changing? Stop saying, uh, my mom told me, well, son, you're only as old as you feel. I said, that ain't true either. If that was true, I'd be 370. 52 years is a long time. Uzziah's been sitting on this throne. But Isaiah said when King Uzziah died, he saw somebody else. Sitting on a throne, who do you see? The Lord. Now, let me give you some background uh, about King Uzziah. He was a good king for most of his life. His father and his grandfather were not. He came along. He was a good king. His name means God is my strength. Uh, no other king ever ruled as long as he did up until this point. He, he represents strength and consistency. Uh, he was somebody that the people looked to for stability. He had been around for a long, long time. And most of his reign was very prosperous. Judah prospered like they never had before. The Philistines were subdued. He established settlements inside the enemy's territory he he developed the strongest military they ever had he invented weapons you see these weapons where they throw them flying boulders at, at the at the people he, he he came up with all types of military strategies and inventions he developed domestic programs for his country his name the history says was on the mouth of people throughout the world even egypt now egypt was the opposite of israel Everybody had good things to say about this guy. He was a national hero. The nation looked to him, depended on him. They trusted in him. Uh, his death was a national tragedy, and, and, and the people were in fear for their future. I, I I see that going on in our world. It doesn't matter how much you like or dislike the president. As Somebody's always happy and somebody's always mad. We, we haven't had this type of leader ever don't kid yourself and, and fantasize about Camelot and the Kennedys because the Kennedys were despised by half of the country ju- just like President Obama was despised by half of the country just like President Trump's despised by more than half of the country uh, just like I mean it, it there's always we haven't had it like that but There's always this fear of the future. There's always turbulent times, even if we don't have a king the way they had a king. But as long as Isaiah was looking to Uzziah as the king, as his earthly king, it was hard for him to see the heavenly king. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. you you got to focus on the right thing to see the right thing. Because for some people to see God, they're going to have to let go of some stuff. Isaiah didn't have this great revelation until Uzziah died. Isaiah said it was when Uzziah died and the throne became empty that I finally saw someone else Sitting on a throne. And I came to tell you today, some of you are going to have to let some stuff go. Some of you are going to have to let some stuff die. Some of you are going to have to chop some stuff off to get a true revelation, visitation, or habitation from the Lord. This is just how it works. Some things are going to have to change because you'll never see God, listen, if you have your eyes on anything else. You'll never see God, clearly, if you have your eyes on anything else because here's the promise of the Lord. You will only find me when you search for me with your whole heart. God is not interested in part-time lovers. God is not interested in being your little side hustle. God is not interested in a Monday, uh, a Sunday-only relationship with him. He didn't give everything that he had on the cross of Calvary so we could throw a little bit of love his way when we felt like it. God is a wholehearted religion. God is only going to reveal himself to those who are seeking with their whole heart. And if your eyes are diverted, if your eyes are focused on something else, or if your eyes are even unfocused, you won't see a clear revelation of who God is. So my plea to you this morning is for you to let go of whatever is standing between you and the Lord. If I would have started this, sermon this morning, and I just started with Richard and, and said, tell me what's standing between you and the Lord. Now, see, Richard would tell you, because he'll just get in there. I mean, he'll just let you know. He'll just, you want to sit down and find out? He'll, he'll put the dirt on the table for you, because, uh, you know, he's grown enough and, and lived long enough to realize it's time to get real with God. But there would be people, when I came to you, tell me what's standing between you and God right now. Oh, nothing. I love the Lord. There's no help for you. There's no help for you you like the person at the emergency room when the triage nurse says what what what's what what's bothering you today? Nothing? Oh, well get out of my emergency room then. We can't do nothing for you. But you you got to get your whole focus on God. You got to let go of whatever is standing between you and the Lord. Hear me good, something has to die. Something has to die. I don't know what it is. For you, uh, specifically, but I can tell you how to find out what it is. It's that big thing that's stuck in your mind. It's that recurring thing that you can't get out of your head. It's that thing that stays right in the prefrontal cortex, always in your mind's eye. That thing needs to die. For some people, it's money. And I'm not just talking about rich people. Some, some poor people think about money more than, more than rich people think about money. If you're so stuck on how poor you are, you're never going to see the Lord because you're just worrying about money all the time. If you're stuck on how rich you are, we don't, well, ain't nobody in this room got that problem. If you do, see me after church. We need a parking lot uh, and a couple other things. But some people are stuck in a financial. All they think about is money. You know you are setting up Visuals for people in your family. I remember the visual image I had of my mom. I, I see my mom clearly in my mind's eye, more in one place more than any other place, sitting at the kitchen table with all the bills spread out on the table, drinking coffee, smoking a cigarette, wondering how she was going to rob Peter to pay Paul. And 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 she made a lot of money, and and she had money, but she also had. Bills and some of y'all that, that are just you're stuck in this financial quagmire of worrying about money all the time. Listen, I can tell you how to not worry about money. I can tell you how to not worry about the repo man getting your car. Just leave it out there with the keys in it. I can tell you about how not to worry about getting evicted. Just move out before the sheriff shows up and puts your stuff on the street. I I can show you how to not worry about losing your your fine credit reputation. Just go ahead and let it all go back and start over. But some people are holding on so hard, finances is just all they think about. I don't know what the big thing in your life is. For some people, it's race. There are people so stuck on, on thinking that their race is better than somebody else's race, they don't learn how to love people. There's some people so stuck on their race, feeling like they're so uh, offended by everything that that's what's stuck in in the front of their mind. Some people are stuck on politics. Their whole life revolves around it. Some people are stuck on pain from the past. Some people are stuck on who did them wrong. Some people are stuck on church hurt. Listen, keep keep your records right, though. There is no church hurt. Some people come here and tell me all the time, Pastor, well, I'm just dealing with some church hurt. Uh, the church, the Bible says, is perfect, is spotless, without, without spot or blemish. The church is the bride of Christ, perfectly adorned, clothed in the white robe, washed in the blood of the Lamb. No issue with church. There's people in church. The church never hurt anybody. It was. The, it might have been the preacher. It might have been the pastor, it might have been the people, but some people are stuck on pain in the past. Some people can't see God clearly because they're paralyzed by fear of the future. I don't know what your issue is. I don't know what it is that's taking up your line of sight. But I can tell you this, until it dies, you'll never get a clear revelation of God the way Isaiah did. Someone died, point number one. Point number two, someone saw the Lord. Now, you're writing these points down. You're going to run out of ink because i got a bunch of them. But I'm going to talk fast. You listen fast. Someone saw the Lord. Who saw the Lord in this passage? Isaiah said he saw the Lord. Now, here's the good news. We have these stories for our what? If we do what they did, we can what? We can get what they got. We can have what they had. If Isaiah saw the Lord, then you can See the Lord. How can I be sure about that? Because God is not partial. Listen to what Acts 10.34 said. Peter replied, I see very clearly that God doesn't show partiality. If the church could get this one short verse in its mind, it could revolutionize the love that we have inside the body of Christ. God doesn't show partiality. And I know some of y'all tease and y'all like to play and say you're God's favorite. Uh, You you might be God's favorite whipping post. You might be God's favorite, you know, case to deal with. But God doesn't do for one what he's unwilling to do for another. He doesn't show partiality. So if God was willing to reveal himself to Isaiah, guess what God is willing to do for you? He's willing to reveal himself to you if. You will look, if you will let that big thing die, you can have a chance to see the Lord. My question to you this morning, don't answer out loud, don't raise your hand, just think about it. Do you really want to see God clearly? Do you really want God in in, in your mind's eye? Do you really want him to be the big thing? Or if truth be told, would you say, well, honestly, as soon as I get through this, I'd really like to do this first. I'd really like to do that first. Listen, I, I see people try to quit addiction all the time. I can promise you this. You won't quit addiction with your backup in your purse. You won't quit addiction uh, with, with, with your backup in the refrigerator. Uh, I already told you all, quit calling that thing a lettuce crisper. That, that, that drawer with the frosted cover, you don't have to put frosted. You don't have to hide what's in the drawer if it's lettuce. That, that's to hide the beer from the preacher crisper. That, that's to hide, that, that, hide stuff you don't want people seeing when they open your refrigerator. Uh, you, you're not going to stop doing what you're doing until you get ready to be honest with it. So I ask you again, do you really want God to show up? Because I'm going to tell you something, when God shows up, Stuff's going to have to change. When God shows up, so, so, something's going to have to be different. In, in Exodus thirty three eighteen, 18, Moses said, I beseech thee, show me your glory. He wanted to see a closer image of God. you got to decide for yourself, do you want to see him? Now, if I ask that question, because we're all church folk, if I asked, or, or, you know, some church folk drug you here that you didn't want to be here, uh, you're gritting your teeth till it's done. It'll be done sometime before 3 o'clock. But if I would ask you before the sermon started, do you want to see God? Do you want to see God? Would you like to see God? Oh, yes, Pastor, I would love to see God. That's the only right church? No, dog, I ain't trying to see him at all. That's just too much on my plate right now. Mm, no, God shows up. I'm going to have to deal with me. Nobody's going to be that honest. But we need to be. You need to be honest. Do you really want God to show up? Because when God shows up, stuff changes. Say change. Third thing I want you to see from this passage, God is high and lifted up. God is high and lifted up. The only way you can tru- truly see God is looking up. The only way you can truly see God is to recognize that he is exalted above everything. If you want to see God. You need to understand how big he is. Yeah, people talk about you can't see the forest for the trees. Listen, God is all around you. If you're not seeing him, it's because you're not looking right. God's always at work. If he's not working in your situation, it's because you're avoiding him. God is always dealing with his people. If you don't recognize how he's dealing with you, it's because you're avoiding him. But you got to get your mind right. We've got to get an exalted mind view of God. I, I, I think there ought to be a church on every corner. I'm not mad at churches being on every corner. I think there ought to be lots of different styles of church because different flavors gonna reach different people. There there's there's reasons for all this. But some things about church have changed to our detriment. I'm not totally upset with warehouse churches with, you know, blacked out everything and and, and looking like a dungeon or a nightclub. I mean, if that's what you're going to do, then, then that's what you're going to do. If you preach Jesus, I'm with it. But some stuff has been to our detriment. There was a time where even people sitting in church sat up and paid attention and realized this is the house of the Lord. Some of y'all came up in good holiness churches where Sister Jenkins was on the front row wearing a white hat and a white dress and had a big ruler in her lap. Some of us were born into the Catholic church where nuns were allowed to smack you and priests would squeeze your hand till you cry. Now I'm not advocating that. For all the government agencies listening, But there ought to be a reverence of God's people when we gather together. Listen, you ought not to have to be told that you shouldn't stick gum up under the church seat. Let me keep going. You got to see God as big, say big. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 95, verse 3. The Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Do do you know that he's great? Do you know that he's above everything else? Well, how, how many gods are there really? Say one. one. Everything else is a false god. The word idol literally means it. it, it it's a combination of two words: no god. That's what idol means. Their God, we would say they worship idols. Literally, they worship no God. Their God is a non God. There's only one God. So obviously, that our God is above all gods, including little g fake gods. And you need to understand, all gods are not the same. All all people claiming to be religious aren't serving or believing in the one true God. Who is the one true God? He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is is the author of all that there is and the creator of everything. And we need to see him as big. Say big. Psalm 86.10 says, For thou art great and dost wondrous things. Thou art God alone. God is bigger than we even think of when we're trying to think of it. But for the most part, we're not trying to think of it. Too much TV watching going on. Too much Internet going on. Too much video games going on. Listen, I, I hey, I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody. I don't believe there's ever been anybody in the history of this country that has had more worthless gaming systems than me. Got them all, I mean we have got them all from GameCube, uh, all, all the way up. Uh, every Nintendo sixty-four, every version of Nintendo that ever came out, every PlayStation, every PlayStation two, PlayStation three, every Xbox, Xbox one, Xbox Live, Xbox three sixty, Xbox with the Connect. So you can, p- nobody ever even played it, uh, but there it was. You know we, we had to we had to set it up. You know, had to swing the racket like it was, yeah, okay, well, it's pointed at you. Now, oh, you're not going to play that? Oh, well, of course not because you don't, even, you don't even use PlayStation anymore since PlayStation 2 came out. And why would you use that when there's a PlayStation 3 plugged in downstairs? And everybody's got an Xbox in their room. What a, the average person, listen, TV is passé at this point tv uh tv is almost non-existent if you watch tv at all every third commercial is about the scissors cutting the cable why because we're slinging get your mind right i said slinging and people yeah they're slingers yeah, they can put your commercial on there. We like to turn the lights down when we get ready to sling. Set the mood. You don't even need sling TV anymore. YouTube's came out with its own subscription television. You just live off Netflix, Hulu, Vulu, Dulu and Mulu. It's all coming. The amount of hours they used to they used to publish these reports when way back in 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 in, 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 the, in the old days. Uh, it, when Ed White was a new school and I was going to it, they used to publish these reports that would say how many hours a day kids are watching TV. Well, they, they don't publish those reports anymore, but they publish how many hours a day the average person, child and adult, is connected to something. I, here, here, here's something free for you today. Try to connect to God more than you connect to your technology. Is God bigger than your game system? Is God bigger than your social media? The amount of time you spend on social media should be secondary and minimal compared to the amount of time you spend in your prayer closet. I wish somebody was listening this morning. Uh, God is high and lifted up. Psalm 96.4 says, The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. You see this continuing theme of God above all, little g, Gods, you got to figure out what your God is that's keeping you from seeing our God. Isaiah had his eyes on King Uzziah. King Uzziah was awesome. King Uzziah was a national hero. King Uzziah had a throne, and he was sitting on it. Listen, I don't know that you probably don't have your iPad or or your phone or or your computer system or your monitor or your laptop or however you connect. One day it's just going to be, you know, now you just say, Hey, Siri, uh, call so-and-so. One day you're just going to be sitting in your bed, and you're just going to call up holograms in your room. There it's going to be, Gerard Butler, fighting the enemy, right there, live, six foot tall, five, eight and a half, he's, you know, wearing them boots, but how much do you really put in front of God? you got to figure out what it is that's on the throne in your life. It might be you. It might be somebody. Listen, for men, I, I can go ahead and settle most of it for most people right now, if you're a man. Psychologists have told us you are primarily wired to gain your self-esteem through domination of money. You 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 feel accomplished through your career through your job you you feel like your sense of self-worth is tied to how good you do on your job so men men you probably maybe I don't know you need to figure it out you might have your job on the throne of your life you might be so focused on money on the bills on the next promotion listen ladies for you some of y'all Got too much man in you. God can help you with that. But psychologists tell us that for women, their self esteem, their sense of self worth, the thing that is their primary focus is not their career, it's their relationships, aka kids. Look at got kids on the throne of their life, got their children on the throne. Listen, hey. I'm going to tell you this. I told my kids from day one, and I said it too much from the pulpit to backtrack on it. Um, I I wasn't going to be no chauffeur to my kids. Some of y'all wearing y'all self thin. You, 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 got, you got Becky in tap and ballet. You got Junior in football, basketball track, wrestling, javelin throwing, uh, chess club. Uh, you, 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 you got all these different traveling teams and always on the go. Hmm. Go ahead and chase behind all that you want to. I, I'm going to ask you this. If you spend more time shuttling your kids around to their activity than you do praying, who do you think your God is? I'm going to take a drink. Some of y'all staring at me like y'all mad. Be, hey, you can get happy just in the same drawers you got mad in. Uh, I, the, listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 97, 9. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. Isaiah 45, 3 says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. When you think about God... Do you think about this, yeah, I I talk to him every now and then, uh, mythical creature in the sky, or do you realize that, uh, do you see God for who he is? This all-consuming, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, creator of everything, knower of every thought in your head, this God that birthed you for a purpose and has a reason for you being on this planet. Do you really see God as huge... Or do you see everything else as huge and you fit God in on the side? I know the answer. You don't have to be honest if you don't want to. But if you really want to see God, you have to realize how big He is. And you have to exalt Him far above everything else. Above your life, above your plan, above your agenda, above your children, above your hopes, dreams, and desires, above your goals, and above everything that you ever thought about, God has to be Preeminent. He's either above everything or he's not. He's first or he's not. Now, the cool thing is, if you understand Scripture right, the Bible says that you, you have to have God before everything else. He, he said that he's the Lord and that you have to honor him before everything else. That literally doesn't mean first place. That means every place. In front of, behind, to the side of. If God is number one and your kids are 1A, you should scratch God off your list and just, come, just get a T-shirt that says, I'm an idolater. I love my kids more than I love Jesus. Oh, you don't want to do that? If your job is more important to you than God, you just need to get you a T-shirt that says, I'm an idolater. I love my money more than I love Jesus. We can't even get Peter to buy BFAM shirts. We sure ain't going to get him to be that honest. <laughs> L- listen, let's let's keep moving. So we can get out of here. The fourth thing I want you to see this morning, Isaiah said, "His train fills the temple." His train. Fi- now, this isn't talking about uh, CSX. This isn't talking about Amtrak. The, the, this, this is this is talking about the the length of his robe. And 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 this in this verse here, the Hebrew word for train is specifically talking about the hem of his garment, which represents his covering, which represents his power and his authority. Does God's authority fill your world? Who's in charge in your house? Who's in charge? That's my car. That's my money. Those are my kids. This is my job. Uh, is it a me, me, me world for you, or is it a he, he, he world for you? Because somebody is large and in charge. If you want to see God, you've got to realize He's more powerful than anything, and you have to bend to His authority. It's filling the whole earth. God, the, the glory of God. He said, My glory will fill the earth. The word for glory there is weight. It's, that, it's the pressing down of, it's the weightiness of His presence. Do you even bend to the authority of God or does it go unrecognized? I'll, I'll ask you a simple question. You can figure it out. You're like, Preacher, I'll just beat up right now. You can come to the altar anytime you want to. Uh, The the truth's the truth anyhow, and I'm preaching to me more than I'm preaching to anybody. Is there more prayer in your home or more TV? Is there more prayer in your home or more gossip? Is there more prayer in your home? This is how you know. If, 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 if God's train is filling your temple, verse 2, Isaiah 6 says, Above it stood the seraphims. These are angels. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4 says, And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Fifth thing I want you to see this morning, the angels cry holy. Say holy. Holiness is not popular. Preachers in America don't preach on holiness. Preachers in America that are successful, that are pastoring large churches, preach on five keys to better relationships in the family. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not as important as the holiness of God. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not as important as seeing God for who He is. The preachers today want to preach about three financial keys that will set you free in this decade. Uh, Stuff like that, that's great for great motivational speakers, but churches have traded in holiness preaching for motivational preaching. The best preachers in America right now are not great theologians. They're great motivators. They're great at production and promotion because this message of holiness has been drowned out by everything else. But the message in heaven is holy, holy, holy. In the presence of God, the angels say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of of his glory if you want to see god if you really want to get a vision and some of y'all already checked out you don't care anything about seeing god you're just ready for the service to be over so you can go on to do what you really want to do but if you want to see god some things are going to have to change say change you're going to have to realize that god is holy there's a lot we're, we're looking on wednesday nights at the seven churches in the book of the revelation In Bible study on Wednesday night, you should come. And we're seeing that Jesus revealed himself differently at different places and in different times. And there's a lot of different ways we could describe God. We could say that God is love because he is. We could say that God is a king because he is. We could say that God is pure. He's compassionate. All these things would be true. But the word that's being cried out in heaven eternally continually, throughout all of existence, is holy, holy, holy. What we're going to do, you wonder what we're going to do in heaven? I tell you one thing we're going to do in heaven, we're going to call God holy. In Revelation 4, 8, the Bible tells us the the four beasts, each of them had six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and and they rest not day and night, saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. I wonder how holy God is to you. See, old old preachers, and and they were wrong for doing it because fear should not be your motivation for serving God. The Bible says it's the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. The only way you're ever going to have real change is when you realize how great God is. Old, Old school preachers used to say, Would you watch that if Jesus was sitting next to you? I'm thinking, where are they thinking? Where do they, they think Jesus is, sleeping in heaven? He, 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 he's he's the, the fulfillment of that Santa Claus song I told y'all. He, he's the only one that knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He sees if you've been bad or good. He, he knows everything that's going on. How holy is God to you? You want me to tell you how holy he is? It's how you can figure it out. How holy are you in front of him? If you recognize him for who he is, you know he's everywhere. If you recognize him for who he is, you know he's exalted. If you recognize him for who he is, you know that his glory fills everywhere. So let me just ask you the way we say it on 103rd Street. How you living? We heard somebody say uh, 103 Street the other day. There ain't no 103 Street in Jacksonville. Unless you're a Yankee. We keep going. I don't hate why why are y'all mad about that? Why, I mean, y'all, y'all left, y'all left Philly to come here, didn't you? Let me keep moving. If you want to see God, you've got to realize He's holy. In verse 5 in Isaiah 6, in our text, Isaiah said, Then said I, Woe is me. When he realized how holy God was, there was only one conclusion for him Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Here's what will happen to you if you ever get a clear revelation of God. You will see how holy He is, and it will be an instant glaring contrast to how sinful we are. All through Scripture, when people saw God, they 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 fell down and they said, I'm unclean, I, I'm unworthy. When well, the, the sixth thing I want you to understand when we see God's holiness, we recognize our sinfulness. People say, Oh, I had a vision. Jesus appeared to me last night in, in a vision. And you still living the way you're living? Well, y'all, y'all just sat down and, and, and y'all just kicked it a little bit? Well, y'all, 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 boy, y'all play some video games together? Y'all do some word puzzles? What? If you see God for who he really is, you're going to understand his holiness, and that's going to be a glaring deficit for our sinfulness. I want to tell you something. Being undone, Isaiah said, I'm undone. That's not a bad place to be. When you realize you have a problem, you can begin to get it fixed. Until you realize that you're not seeing God the way you should, until you realize that you're not recognizing God the way you should, you're not going to get undone. I love what the great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon said He's about being undone. He said, God will never do anything with us till he has first of all undone us. There are people in this room that really love the Lord. There are people in this room that really want God to use them for His glory. There are people in this room that really want a greater revelation of God. Let me tell you something. you got to get all the way undone before He's going to do anything with you, in you, through you, or by you. You've got to get undone. That's why I tell you, you can't come to the Lord pretty. you got to come uh, uh, ugly crying. I'm not talking about, pray for me. No, I'm talking about snotting, eyes swelling up, don't even want to go to work the next day because you look like you've been up crying all night because you have been. I'm talking about pulled over off the side of the road, can't drive anymore, snot running down your face, eyes shutting on you because God is moving. When God sets in on you, you won't be all pretty churchy. You got to get undone. You got you to get butt naked honest. The Bible says we are all naked before him with whom we have to do. You can't hide behind anything in front of God. When, when you realize that God is seeing you and you're seeing him see you, you're going to realize, I am shot out now. Some of y'all get nervous because mom said, wait till your father gets home. Some, some, some of you, you, and you should if you're raised in a good house, and because you know, uh, Mama already handled it, but daddy's going to come do it again. But some of y'all get nervous. I've had people sit in my office and say, well, oh, I feel like I'm being called into the principles. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a little, why are you nervous in front of me? I'm just a country boy from the west side of Jacksonville. I tell y'all every week, I, I'm I messed up and in my process just like you are. If you really want to know who you should be nervous in front of, it's the one whose eyes see everything. If we realize God's holiness, It'll make our sin glaring to us. And we'll get to this place where Isaiah said, woe is me. This, this, this is bad right now. I, I'm, in, I'm in the presence of a living holy God. And he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Put that verse back on the screen for me. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, this is a vision. This is uh, 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 this is metaphorical, this is something that is being said for an intended purpose. Why why were his lips unclean? Uh, Because he had Sonny's barbecue on him? No, he was sinful. Did he have a cussing problem? I don't know. We're not trying to pinpoint what his issue was. What we're trying to pinpoint is he realized and was willing to admit he was unclean. Could you admit that today? Or are you just too blessed and highly favored? I want you to be blessed and highly favored, but to get there, you got to go through some stuff. we get, we got to get through some process. And he said, I, I'm all messed up. Not only that, I live in the midst of a people who are all messed up. And now I'm looking at the king, and he's not all messed up. See, this is why, why it's great when you realize who God is, you come running to him. Because you realize he's better than you. You realize he's better than everything. You realize, listen, there should be no pride in the life of a Christian because a real Christian has, has said this. I can't make it on my own. I can't do it on my own. I'm not good enough. I'm messed up from top to bottom. I'm a train wreck, and I need God just to get through one more minute of my life. You need to admit that you are a messed up person in the midst of a messed up people in the presence of a holy and righteous God, we got to realize that we're sinners who need cleansing. See, I've never found it difficult to lead anybody to Christ. I've never found it difficult to get anybody to want to be saved. But I have found it difficult over almost 40 years of trying to get people to admit they're lost. Once you, admit that you're, once you admit that you're unsaved, once you admit that you're lost, once you admit that you're not right with God, it's really simple to get you to see how great loving and accepting God is. But most people want to hold on. To, well, I never killed. I, I have this all the time. Are, are you saved? Well, I never killed anybody. <laughs> well, that, that's good to know. I didn't ask that. I don't care what hand you sign your checks with. Are you saved? Are you born again? Well, my father was a was Mason. I didn't ask you about your father. Are you saved? Well, my mother was a deaconess. I didn't ask you about your mother. Are you saved? Have you had a life-changing experience with a holy God that took you from being dirty to making you clean? See, this is what it takes to get close to God. The seventh thing I want you to see is God's in the sin-forgiving business. This is the best news I can give you. We are sinners, and God is a forgiver of sins. We are people who are sinful, and we have a God who is willing to forgive your sins if you will confess them. You want to go through life acting like no sin you've done? You want to be one of these pious church folk to look down your nose at other people and act like you've got it together and everybody else is messy, but you're not? You can't get to a real God like that, because you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool the Lord. He knows. He knows. Listen, listen to how great God is in this sin-forgiving thing. And I in verse six of our text, Isaiah said, then one of the seraphim, one of the angels, flew to me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it on my mouth and said, "Lo, this has touched my lips." Done iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. This, this is a, a symbolic. They didn't have no tongs. You know I, I wonder, did the angel use his left hand or his right hand? Because right hand, symbolic of. The Stop trying to get into all the craziness in your head and get to the big point, say big point. The, 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 the symbolism is this: Isaiah needed cleansing, and hear this: God did all the work. You don't have to work yourself clean. You can't work yourself clean for God. God is the one who forgives sin. God has done all the work. Look, look, look put verse 6 back on the screen. Uh, see, see inside verse 6 that the angel flew to him. Then flew one of the seraphims to me. I want to tell you something. If you ever got saved for real, it wasn't because you came running to God. It's because God came running to you. It wasn't because you made some great intellectual, uh, uh, amazing, calculated decision to turn your life over to God. If you're saved at all, it's because a loving, holy, sin-forgiving God tracked you down in your rebellion, chased you down with His Holy Spirit, grabbed hold of you, cleaned you up, and set you on a solid rock. Salvation is a work of the Lord. God's in the sin-forgiving business. The angel flew to Isaiah The angel had the coal. The angel took the coal. Isaiah didn't own the coal. He didn't own the fire. He didn't own the tongues. He didn't have an angel to do anything with. God did all this work. He took that coal from the altar. He laid it on Isaiah's mouth. Why? Because Isaiah admitted he was messed up. And here comes God to the rescue. And Isaiah's sins was forgiven. God's done everything we need. Uh, God's done everything we need to have done for us to be forgiven. He paid for our sin on the cross at Calvary. I hope you can get to the place in your life where you can truly say, if God never does another thing for me, he did enough at Calvary. I hope that you can truly get that in your mind, that if you never make the success you're chasing in life, that heaven is better than anything else you could hope for, and having a relationship with God is what matters the most. In verse 8, He said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Eighth thing I want you to know this morning, God wants somebody to go for him. God's looking for honest people who say, I messed up and I need you, Lord. I see you high and exalted. I see you on the throne. I recognize your authority over my life. I receive the cleansing forgiveness through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. I hear you saying you want somebody to go. God has been looking for people to go for him. Listen, it'd be great if God God should have picked somebody better than me and you and all of us. God could have put robots out there to do His work perfectly, but that's not the way He did it. He chose sinful men and women. Boys and girls, to forgive, put his spirit inside them, and to make us his hands and feet to go about doing his work everywhere we go. And God has constantly been looking for someone. He came and he came to Moses and He said, I want you to go for me. And Moses said, I, I stutter. He he came to Gideon and he said, I want you to go for me. And Gideon said, I'm poor, and I come from too poor of a family to do anything from anybody. But when he came to Isaiah, Isaiah had the right answer, and you need to get the right answer in your mouth. Here I am. Send me. Here I am, God. Use me. Here I, so, some of y'all worry. Well, I don't want to surrender to God because he might send me to the deep jungles of Africa, and I don't know anybody there. Listen, God don't have to send you to the deep jungles of Africa to use you. He could send you home today, and you could do a lot of straightening up at home. You, you worry God's going to make you to be some missionary in some country where you can't speak the language. Why don't you try winning your family to Christ? Your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your, your classmates. Isaiah said, here am I. Listen to what God said in Ezekiel. And the reason why it's important to know what God said is because he's still saying the same thing because he never changes. What he said then, he's still saying today. In Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, 30, God said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. Do you know why America is spiraling at a fast rate downhill morally and spiritually? Because nobody will stand in the gap. Between God and the people. Because nobody will stand and say, I'll make up the hedgerow and I'll be an intercessor. I'll be a a living example of what God looks like. The reason most people won't come to church is because they've been to church and they hated it. The reason why most people won't believe the message of this book is because some faulty, flawed person... Told them a story that they weren't living. Somebody needed to rise up and say, I'll let God clean me up and use me up until I until He takes me up. I wonder if you'd be that person. Pastor, why, why you always had to preach about holiness? Why you always got to tell us we got we, we gotta let God do something supernatural? Listen, you can go to the pretty church with the pretty people. You can go to the church with the, with the skinny jean wearing, puka shell necklace wearing, flip-flop wearing preacher if you want to. Anybody stopping you? You can go to the big church where everybody's having a big hat tea party and everybody's ha- ha- having a, a, a chicken fry sale and, and selling chicken dinners and doing, you can go through all that. You can go do all that you want to. But if you want to get to a holy God, I'm showing you the way. And it's a process and it takes a whole lot of work. Isaiah had to go through a whole lot. To get to the place he got to. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that God has called us his ambassadors. We represent him in a foreign land. You know, if you ever really get close to God, this earth will seem strange to you. This world will seem strange to you. You'll realize I have a citizenship in heaven. And I I have a place in heaven that means more to me than this place. Don't be deep-rooted on this earth. I'm not saying don't make plans. I'm not saying don't have goals. I'm saying be more concerned. With the big picture, God is looking for you to represent him in the earth. The reason you're still here, some of y'all wonder why you're even still here. Why others died and you didn't. Some of y'all wonder why, why God hadn't just taken you out of your misery or, or of your fantasy. The reason why you're still here is because God has something to do in you, through you, for you, with you, and by you. Because he doesn't make mistakes. You're here for a purpose. And I hope you get ready to get on with That purpose, I told you, God is looking for someone to send. Last point this morning, number nine, and I know it's been long, but here's the good news, it can be you. It can be you. So many people have believed the lie of churches, the lie of religion, the lie of well-intended and bad-intended people. You don't have to possess any particular skill to be the one that God uses. You don't have to be able. It's so funny. Uh, people, people uh, there, there's a song that says, I, I may not be able to preach like Paul. Paul was a horrible preacher. Read the scripture. They, they mocked Paul for how he spoke. They all wanted to be with Apollos because he was the smooth, slick preacher. He was the good, talking, Greek educated preacher. People say, that song says, I may not sing like the angels. Let me just give you something to study. You ain't going to believe me. Angels don't sing. They say. Read the Bible. The angels say. They declare. They shout. Uh, People think, well, I I, I can't do anything for God because I'm not this, I'm not that. I'll tell you one cliche. Y'all know I don't like cliche preachers, but I'll give you a good one. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Did you get that? You don't have to have a certain qualification. You don't have to have an education. You don't have to have a background. You don't have to have anything but God on the inside for God to use you to do something on the outside. This person that God is looking for, let me tell you something. If you believe you're saved for real, you're part of that group. You're part of that group. You need to understand that God has a calling. I'm so tired of hearing people say, oh, God got a calling on, on, on my grandson. Doesn't God have a calling on you? Ooh, my my daughter is so anointed. God has a calling on her life. Doesn't God have a calling on you? If you're here, if you're alive and you call yourself a Christian, I promise you this, God has a calling on you, a calling to go for him into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God has a calling on your life. My question to you in closing this morning is do you want to be a difference maker? Do you want to be an agent of change? Do you want to be the hands and feet of God, or do you just want to sit back and continue to stay stuck in your existence? I want you to understand there's a big difference between existing and living. And I feel more, you talk about qualified, I feel more qualified to make that statement than anybody I've ever met. Because i spent a lot of my life Existing. I spent a lot of my life pastoring this church existing. God named this church. When we started this church 18 years ago, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, me, Gail, Jake and her Belly, and 16 other people decided that we would rally together under a local church named Abundant Life. Obviously, out of St. John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I've come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. One translation says, and have it to the fullest. There's a difference between living and existing. And I know that difference all too well. Because it's easy for me to get stuck on different things and, and fall back into existing when God said He wants us to live. The life that God has for you is a victorious life. The Bible says that we give thanks to God who always gives us the victory. He always causes us to triumph. If you know you're on the winning team, you ought to let your face know it. Then let your family and friends know it. And then when you find yourself sinking back into existing, listen, most people are existing and not living. Most people are just going through the motions, going through Monday to get to Tuesday. Going through to working all work working all week for the weekend. Well, what's gonna be different about the weekend? You're just gonna get up and go and, and go through that till you can get back to Monday so you can get to Tuesday. That's not the life God has for you. That's not the life God wants for you, church. God, God has a plan for your life to fill you with his spirit and to give you purpose, hope, and a future will stop looking at other things just like Isaiah when he stopped looking at his hero see Isaiah was born into a wealthy family he was educated and he, and he, and he, he, had, he had access to important people and the king was his hero and when he stopped looking at the wrong thing when he stopped seeing Uzziah is bigger than life because Uzziah died He could see who really is bigger than life. The Lord our God, high and exalted. Is He exalted in your life? Are you on the throne of your own life? Man, I really wanted to do it today, but I just don't feel a release to do it. I was going to slob oil on everybody today, lay hands on everybody today, and pray for everybody in the room today. But more than me touching you, you need God to touch you. You need God to touch you. So here's what I'm going to do. And I'm not even going to ask you to make some emotional. Come down here and let me pray for you. I'm not even going to ask you to make some emotional. See, everything in me that's that churchy, everything in me that's a preacher wants, wants me to make you raise a hand or stand where you are, admit that you want to move for closer to God. We're not going to do any of that stuff today. But I, if you really want more of God in your life, you're going to have to let some stuff go. Take your eyes off what your eyes have been on and put your eyes on Jehovah. Take your eyes and your affection off what it's been on and put it all on God because only God is worthy. You don't need me to touch you. You don't need my prayer, but we all need God to touch us. You got to admit that you need Him. You got to get all the way done with what you've been doing. And put your hopes and your desire on God. Pray with me. Lord, we love you. We believe in you. Please help our unbelief. God, I pray today that you would make change, real change. Not man altar call change. Not church change. Real change on the inside. Father, I pray that you would transition your people from existing to living. I pray that you would transition us from self-thought. To God thought I pray that you would give us your spirit without measure God I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and that you would allow us to bow to your authority God we truly are an unclean people I'm an unclean man in the midst of an unclean people God and we need you to touch us to change us God we need you to cleanse us Let your fire fall on the hearts of your people, God, who would choose you more than they choose themselves, God, who would choose your way or our way. God, I pray you glorify yourself in the hearts and the minds and the lives of your children. Thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. That gives us life. It gives us redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for your spirit that lives in us, that draws us to you, that gives us hope. Thank you for your word, God, that gives us life and instruction. God, you said that we are clean by the words that you spoke to us, Father. I thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. And I pray, God, that you would renew hope in the lives of the hopeless. I pray you save every lost person in this room, God. I pray for every Christian, Lord, that you would draw us closer to you. God, I pray that you would live in us, through us, and by us, God. I pray that you would exalt yourself first in our mind in our lives and throughout the entire earth let us go with a sense of purpose God let us go with a sense of awareness that you are God and there is nothing else that compares to you thank you God for being patient with us thank you for never giving up on us thank you for loving us in our undoneness Thank you for completing us through your Son. God, I pray that you'd give us a heart for righteousness, a heart for worship, a heart for evangelism, a heart to love you and to love each other more than we ever have. You are my only hope, the only hope of the world, God. So I pray you manifest yourself in a real way. Without the show of an altar call, Without the raised hand, raise yourself up an army, God, who will put you first and who will live seeing you on the throne. Let your train fill this temple of our lives. We bow to your authority. We recognize that your way is better than our way. Recognize that you're the only true God. So I ask you to have your way in my life, God, and in the lives of your people. Thank you for always doing the right thing. Thank you for being who you are, perfect and holy. We love you, God. We choose you. This is our confession in Jesus' name. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.